and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Hey, you guys. Um, I feel like it's been a while since I've, I've shared, um, but I'm excited. I'm going to do something a little uh, different for me. Instead of being more topical, that's kind of how my mind works, kind of topics and context and ideas. I'm going to dive into a parable and bring topics and context and ideas to that. <laughs> Does that sound fun? Um, so, no, do you want to hit? I, I have visuals because I love me some visuals. Um, and we're going to go through the parable of the sower. Do you guys like my stage setup? Get a little ambiance, make it a little, a little cozy. Get little visuals in your head, all, all the dimensions of visuals going on here. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, uh, several months back, the Lord really highlighted this parable to me, and it's just been messing with my mind, and so I want to mess your minds up too a little bit today, um, if that's okay, if you guys are good to dive into this with me. Some things I want to note about this parable, though, is that, did you know this parable is mentioned in three of the four Gospels. Isn't that interesting? It means it probably means when there's repetition like that, it's like, hey, pay attention. There's some keys in here to, to note. So I was like, oh, geez. I didn't, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I didn't know that until I started researching it, that it was in all three. Like, it was in Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And I was like, well, I don't know what happened to John, but he must have not been a fan. Um, <laughs> Focus on some other things, I guess. But those guys, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, thought this was uh, pretty important. So it's an important parable. And uh, we're going to try and dive into this today. And not only does Jesus, Jesus is the one that tells the parable, right? He likes to talk in parables because there's layers of meaning, right? So just know, as we're going through this, I'm picking out a layer of the meaning. So if you pick out another layer of the meaning, it doesn't negate my layer of meaning or yours. We're just, it's layers, and we have grace for each other's understanding, right? But there is some interesting things because I love me some layers of understanding because you could just spend hours on it and nothing's wrong because there's just layers and dimensions to the truth of the word of the Lord, right? Like, come on, it's so fun. So I'm excited because it's going to be fun. Um, not only is this parable mentioned three times in the gospel, but the explanation of it as well. Not every time do you get Jesus explaining himself. So it's pretty cool that he does. But even in that, it's layered and it's complex and it's like, come on, Jesus. But it's cool because it, it causes us to go into relationship instead of just reading Jesus like a textbook, right? Uh, uh, uh. All right, because he's after something deeper, but we'll get to that later. All right, let's, uh, let's get us in the mood of uh, the soil of our souls. You guys like this? My emo side coming out, making it dark and dreary. Love me some Edgar Allan Poe. Like, hopefully there's no bodies in there, but whatever. Okay, sorry mess you guys up. You know, hopefully that got us in the mood for looking at some soil. You guys ready to get your hands dirty a little bit? Um, so here, let's do the next slide for me, Noah. We're going to dive right in and I'm going to take the parable and we're going to follow through Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, you can look because I'm sorry, this type is very small. But um, if you want to read along, you can, but I'm going to read from Bible here. So starting Matthew 13, starting in verse three, let's read this. Uh, then he told them many things in, the par- in a parable, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. 
Some fell on the rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has an ear, let him hear. All right. Now, first part, we're going to look at the parable, and then we'll move into the explanation. But um, some very important things to note here, a bit of a summary. You have a sower who's sowing seed and scatters the seed on four, right? Count them four types of soil, right? Um, and the, the interesting thing about this parable is I've heard, uh, I remember in like bio, uh, uh, Sunday school and stuff, or even in, in, in school, I went to a private Christian school and like Bible class and stuff, and talking about the seed and the importance of it. But really, I think this parable is about the soil, right? The four soils seem to be what's highlighted and their receptivity to that seed, all right? So let's look at the soil. Can we do the next slide for Manoah? He's doing awesome. Okay. So now we're going to stay on this for a little bit. We're going to walk through it. But again, I like to look at patterns and uh, coincidences and topical things to help me understand and dissect things. So I made this visual to hopefully help us because in the four types of soil, I noted that there was three kind of main things that were described for each type of soil, right? So let's start with uh, the, the seed that was thrown along the path, right? We have an enemy, which is the bird that ate it, right? The seed fell on the path. It couldn't receive the seed. And so it just sat on top and the birds came and ate it immediately, it says. So the growth rate of that one, there was none. It never took seed. No time to grow. Birds ate it up. Receptivity to the seed, not receptive. Nothing, nada. Okay, then we got the rocky places, right? So this one, the enemy described is the sun that came up and scorched it. And then in other gospels, it's described as that had no moisture or no water. Very interesting, right? And then the growth rate was quick, but it was shallow. So as soon as the enemy came, as soon as the sun scorched, uh, there was no root. And so it didn't last. Okay. And the receptivity of this seed, I would say, is shallow or a temporary reception. Okay. Temporarily. Now we have the among the thorns. This one's a doozy. All right. So the enemy is the thorns, right? Okay. Pretty easy. Um, the growth rate of this one is good growth, has roots even, but the environment is what takes it out. The other thorns in the soil is what ultimately is its demise. And I would argue this one is overly receptive. Wow. We're going to, don't worry. We're going to, we're going to dive in a bit more in a bit here. Okay. Let's talk about the good soil, right? There's no enemy that's really mentioned, but the growth rate of this one is good. It takes root and it is the only of the soils to produce a crop 30, 60, hundred times full. And it's receptivity is receptive and uncontaminated. Okay. So those are the basics of this parable. You guys with me? Did I do a good job breaking it down? Does it help you understand all four? You got the visuals? Okay. Good, good, good. So let's go to the explanation. So let's read Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Again, sorry, this is a small type, but you know, just follow along in your Bibles or on your phones, right? Okay, let's start in verse 18. Pick it back up. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. 
The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but still has no root. He lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the world, because of the word, he quickly falls away. Then uh, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Let's go into this explanation. Next slide here. We're, we're sliding through these slides like, like butter. All right. So the explanation, Jesus defines what these elements are, right? The sower is God, right? Now the seed is the word of God. This is fun one, okay? Because it's not just simply, it's not the Bible, right? We understand this. The Bible, I mean, there was the, like the Torah and like certain Hebraic like things, but it's not like he's talking about like the Bible, right? Even though there's living stuff in the Bible. It, it's not exclusive, but it's inclusive. Yeah, okay, we're there. We're there. Okay. Um, but the word, the word of God, word is logos, right? And that is defined as, a word uttered by a living voice, the divine expression, i.e. Christ himself, right? The word was Christ. Christ is the living word, the living expression of who our God is. Isn't that interesting? But also the living word, it is an active, um, like, integrated word in our lives, right? Right? So the seed is that word of God, the logos of God. And then the soil, I would argue, and also it is defined kind of in that chunk of Matthew that I kind of skipped over here, 13, uh, Matthew 13 verses 10 through 17. It explains that the good soil is someone who hears and understands. And it's, and it's taking this excerpt from, I think it's Isaiah, and this prophecy about let, let those who have an ear hear, let those who have eyes see. He who sees and perceives, he who hears and understands. And it's all about this receptivity of what the Lord is saying and what the word of God is. So the soil is your heart condition. How receptive is your soil? How receptive is your heart? To the seed that God is sowing. Does that make sense? Anyone want to argue with me? Anyone want to have a different light to it? Not argue with me, but has a different thing? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Yes, and, yes and amen um, to all. Uh, so, as that is, is explained, we got this. Absorb this information, as Dwight says, right? Absorb this information. And now let's go to the next slide. Okay, so we got the types of soil explanation diagram here. So let's go through these. Ready? Along the path. Now, instead of having an enemy, I kind of, I like describing it as an obstacle that what Jesus describes is more of kind of like the obstacle that kind of takes out the seed. Okay. So along the path, we have the devil is named to take away the word as soon as they hear it. So the growth, there's no time for the word to take root. There is zero receptivity so the heart condition is calloused or kind of the other side of it. I, it's kind of like a victim, someone who seemed helpless, like who has their heart condition 
is beaten down, is treaded on, is, is walked on and made callous and hard so it's not receptive. And how many of you know that there's sometimes, and even some dimensions of who we are, there's a victim mentality, right? Just because you're, you, being a victim doesn't define you, but maybe we know some people who, let, who lets that define them, right? And their receptivity to even just encouragement to healing can oftentimes be very hard, right? Be callous. But you know what? I think it's okay. I think God's got it, right? Um, but it's important for us to kind of navigate what parts of ourselves might have some, some path soil, hard down pack soil. Um, okay, let's move on to the rocky places. So the rocky places, um, this is, the obstacle was time. The time of testing. Um, okay, and trouble and persecution came. So it was like, they got the word, they're really excited, because it says that the growth was quick. It only lasted a short time, and it was quick, but then it quickly fell, right? It's like, as soon as it received the word, it got it, but then it like fell away as soon as there was a little bit of time, a little bit of testing, a little bit of pushing, a little bit of resistance. And I would argue this kind of heart condition is an immature one. Um, now, how many of you guys... I say immature because I kind of, the visual that I was getting was um, kind of like a, a really hot-headed person, you know, someone that has high highs and low lows, that's just kind of like, they're really, that was like, bam, bam, bam. Or if you go in seasons in life where you feel like you're like up and down and up and down, you're just like, oh my gosh, I think I might be on the border of crazy. But it's okay, it's a season, <laughs> you know, but the, that up and down, that, uh, that like easy easily swayed, easily taken out because there is no root. There is, because we're hasty to, um, hasty to want to get to the fruit, hasty to want to catch up to those around us that are growing, right? Hasty and trying to like, all right, I got, I got the seed, let's go, you know, but then not letting it germinate, not letting it take the time, not having the soft soil needed to, to, uh, let the roots grow, right? So that's why I kind of describe it as like an immaturity almost in in the heart, and um, you know, it also made, gave me the visual of like a gasoline burn. You guys know how many of you guys have ever tried building fires, or campfires, or bonfires and stuff? Yeah, guys, outdoorsy at all? I am not what you would consider outdoorsy, but I still know how to light a fire because uh, I grew up in Vermont. But I'm too Asian to be outdoorsy, so it kind of balances it out. The Veronomy and the Asian makes me kind of a little bit not outdoorsy. Anyways, um, so, but I did learn how to build a fire, and it's very important that, what, what's super important in starting a fire, right? What is it? Say it again. Dry fuel, okay. Yeah, so some kind of, uh, what do you call that really dry, like, hairy-looking? Kindling, yes, thank you. You need some kindling that's easy to light, but that you put next to some logs that will catch it and then have hot embers that keep it going, right? But, you know the gasoline trick, right? You just spray that thing with gasoline and you're just like, let everything soak it up and then you're like, bam, and it's like, boo, big fire. But then what happens? Gasoline's quick to burn up, right? It doesn't last long, that big flame. So 
that's kind of like what I, 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 the other visual I was getting with these rocky places soil is, is just this quick to burn and it looks very impressive and eager to, to, to kind of show what, look at, I got it. And then, oops, actually something hard happened and it wasn't really in me and now I'm confused or now I don't have it or I forgot it or it's, it's choked up. So there's the rocky places. Let's look among the thorns. This one scares me a little bit. If I'm honest with you guys. Okay. So among the thorns, we have the obstacle is life's worries, riches, and pleasures. That's what some of the other gospels mention, those three. Um, And it's growth. It grows, but it is unfruitful. And its heart condition is kind of a deceived one or a naive one. You remember how I said in the parable, it was kind of like this over-receptivity. To its environment because it allowed thorns to grow as well as the seed and eventually the thorns kind of won out and took it and took it out and this is scary because deception by nature you don't know that you're deceived right so what how do you overcome deceit do you got how do you guys think you overcome deceit what with the truth Yes, truth does break through a lot of deceit. But in order to receive that truth, because I would argue the seed is almost that truth coming in, but and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's almost like, let's drink the punch. We'll drink all of the punch. All of it's good. Let's take it all in. You know, like, I love Jesus and I love, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't like this. I don't like Gnosticism-isms. Did I make that word up, Nathan? Okay. (laughs) I don't like Gnostic Gnostic thinking that separates the spiritual from the natural because I believe it's all supernatural. Yeah. There's a, a God that became flesh, and that is not unholy by any means, right? But I do think there's something in pursuits, right? I know this happens to me. In pursuing vanity... In pursuing things that I think I need to do. Because sometimes it's sneaky. It's not just like, oh, I'm just grinding to make as much money as I can and I'm, and I'm a jerk and I just like do whatever I can to get ahead, right? Most of us aren't like that, right? There are some people that have that, but not, not most of us, right? We're all just, we love Jesus and we're trying our best. But still, the mindset of, of, uh, of or deceit can kind of sneak in there in senses of, I think the context of how we were brought up the effects and the the stories that we've told ourselves of what's important to prove to others, to make ourselves valuable, to make ourselves worthy, to make ourselves lovable, to make ourselves knowledgeable, to make ourselves impressive. Sometimes those things, even though they can be cloaked in admirable um, pursuits, if the motive in pursuing them is... For man's approval instead of God's approval, I think that's when things become vain and get choked and and ultimately and it's really tragic, right? Like, because this happens a lot. Like, you can put your whole heart into something, whether it's a new business venture or a relationship, a friendship, and and I don't know something along the lines you had misexpectations or you. We're working like that kind of classic story of like the son that works for the father's approval and you're just son grinds and grinds to try everything they do to try and pursue and just get their father's approval. But 
the father has his own issues, so he never gives the approval, and then it's just like this tragedy, right? When and that's what I think is is the deceitfulness is is this. It's easy to miss if we're not careful because we'll we'll look like we're growing. We'll look like God's blessed it. We'll look like wow, look, I, you know, it has roots. I, I've given it time. I've put effort. I've put my blood, sweat, and tears in this, and. And God is gracious, and he's with us through it all, right? But how many of you have accomplished something, worked so hard towards something, accomplished it, and then had that crash afterwards? Have any of you guys experienced that? Like where you just put everything into something, then it happens, and then it's done, and then you crash afterwards and like go into a depression? (laughs) And you're just like, God, what happened? I thought you were in this. And you start to question sometimes we can start to question deep things, identity things. And that's why I think this is, deceit is such an interesting word because I think we've deceived ourselves in thinking that, wait, what was my motivation in doing that? Because I, I think we can all have the same behaviors, we can all accomplish the same things, but what our motivations are and the path in which we take it and our heart condition towards it, I think is what matters. Right? And I think that's what this parable is talking about. It's not about negating your accomplishments or goals or the seeds and the fruit that you have. It's about the, the soil, the condition of your heart in the process of growth. And it is, it's hard, one, to swallow that we can pursue something not knowing or we can pursue something out of a vain cause, out of um, no matter how good intentioned we might think we are, and and it can and it will happen and it's fine. But again, at the end of it, I think what God cares about is our heart condition. And if accomplishing that thing didn't fix that heart condition, didn't fix that man pleasing thing in you, then what was the point, right? Um, and then to kind of go on the other side of the coin of that that naivety. It's, it's almost like this, this soil was overly embraceive of all things, right? It, it, it had the seed from the Lord, had the word of the Lord, but it also allowed the, the worries of life, the temptations of life, the, the, the flashy things of, of life just kind of mix in it. And then ultimately when, when testing came, what does it say? It, it was choked out, right? Is that, is that the one that's choked out or is that the one that's... Anyways, it's taken out, right? Um, and, and so this, the thorn, again, it talks, it talks about environment. And I think that's very interesting about the, the almost warning to just take note of our environment. To, to know that it's not an um, extracurricular in our life, our environment. That our, yes, we can't always control our surroundings, but I think we can control what we allow in our hearts, what we allow in the environment of our souls, the soil of our souls, yeah? Um, and it's interesting what's, what's noted is worries, riches, and, and pleasures, and how worries is kind of like how, um, is like anxieties. Um, and it's, I started to research like stats on anxiety, but I was getting very depressed. 
because <laughs> it's very rampant. It's very everywhere. Almost everybody deals with some level of worry, stress, and anxiety. And what's kind of hard is it very much affects your everyday life. It's not just a, a mental thing. It affects your body. Uh, a lot of diseases are connected to a level of, of anxiety that people carry. It affects your capacity to um, to just rest and recharge, and then and to emotionally be present too. It's just it's a it's a big deal. Worry and anxiety. Um, yeah. So it's easy to, to to see that how life or the world kind of has embraced. It almost seemed like it's normalized anxiety. It's like this is just the stand. This is just how life is now. We have, you know, knowledge at our fingertips all over. We know when there's tragedy across the world that we can do nothing about, but we somehow know and can and are expected to grieve or or do something about. Which there's beauty in it, but there's also I think burdens that we were never meant to carry in in having access to that much information and knowledge. And I think it's important for us to protect that our inner soul soil, um, whether that means limiting certain understandings and not watching the news or engaging on on certain things um, just to protect your soil. Trust that God will let you know when something's happening that's necessary for you to know, right? We shouldn't take responsibility for something we don't have authority over. And I think especially this young generation, they grew up in an environment where they're, it's almost like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, Virtue signal. Like, the more of the world's hurt you take on and advocate for, it's like it's this expectation. And if you're silent, it's compliance. And it's it's hard. Like, I, I don't think any one person was meant to take on all those advocacies. But... It is beautiful when we do take on the, and advocate for the things that we have the grace for. I do believe God does that. That he does give us grace for the things to take advocacy for. But to take it all on, is no one's expected to do that. And so don't, don't listen to that noise. Don't listen to that noise. You have permission to say no. Um, shut off the news. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, I think I talked about that one enough. I don't want It's a little bit... It was a little hard. Oh, I will say, though, that it made me think of the analogy of boiling a frog. You guys, you know that? Like, how do you cook? Or how do you... What is it? Cook a frog or kill a frog? It's kind of gross. I hate frogs. There's this, like, one story. Um, uh, no, I don't have time for that. Never mind. I hate frogs. My kids will tell you. Mommy hates frogs. They're just gross and slimy and unpredictable. And it's just, like, ugh, freaky things. Um... Anyways, but in order to boy, to kill a frog, we're going to kill it because I just want to kill him. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you can't stick a frog into a boiling pot of water because it will freak out. It will sense that it's too hot and jump away, right? But if you stick it in lukewarm water and then slowly warm up the water until boiling point, it won't notice it, its environment change because it, it takes on its surroundings and adapts. But then if it's too hot, it's, uh, too, hot, it's kind of too late for that. And, and then it's dead. <laughs> So that kind of reminds me also of this, like, among the thorns. It's like, if we're not careful and we don't kind of take these checkpoints of, like, wait, what's my environment? Ooh, is it getting too hot in here? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Is this, 
Do I need to get out of this pot of water? You know, it's just kind of, you know, our environment is, is, is huge. All right. Let's talk about the good soil, right? That's what we're all here for. That's who we all are. Good soil. It is. No, the obstacle, there wasn't an obstacle mentioned, um, but its growth and its growth produced a crop. It was the only one out of the four to produce a crop of 30, 60 to 100 times, potentially. And um, its heart condition, it's described um, in Luke, where does it describe? Luke 8.15, actually. Uh, I'm going to read this in my notes. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, keep it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Noble, good, and perseveres. This is super interesting. This is the characteristics of good soil. So let's let's look deeper into good soil. You want to hit the next slide for me, Noah? Um, so as mentioned in Luke uh, 8.15, it receives, it keeps, and it perseveres. Let's, let's look at each one of these. It's like, oh, there's so many routes I could go. But let's, let's look at each one of these, okay? So how receptive are you? Let's just look at receiving. Because we all want to be the good soil, right? And I think it's important to know, like, how do we... We are the owner, the ones in charge of our soil. We men, we tend our own garden, okay? And, and I think, I love how this parable is an empowering parable to say that you have the capacity to be good soil. I don't think this is a judging, condemning parable saying like, you're either one of these four, and if you're not the good soil, you better hold on because this is going to be bad. I, I think there's something deeper here that God's getting at with the, those who hear and understand. He, his aim is to want you to hear and understand, to hear and receive, not just Listen superficially, but actually receive what's going on. So receiving. How receptive are you? This open, curious, approachable posture. It's When I think of receiving, I think of someone that is, that is open, something that's soft but deep and has big capacity. You know, receiving can be hard for some people because... I think, especially if you grew up in the church, there was a lot of false humility talk, at least in like, then I think I grew up around a lot of false humility talk where it was like, oh, you know, don't glorify yourself bigger than God's glory because you're somehow steal his glory because there's only a certain amount of it and you don't want to be prideful. And what is that called? That poppy stand syndrome. Any internationals in here know that saying? The poppy syndrome where you like, in a field of poppies, there's usually like one that might stand up and like it's shameful to be that one that stands out, right? No, okay, that's in like other cultures, uh, other like countries, they have that kind of saying. Um, but anyways, it's fear to be prideful. It's like, well, don't, don't outshine and all, all of this stuff. And um, I, I just love that uh, the way, how, how, how the Lord exemplifies uh, generosity, I, I think generosity is a great way to to negate any kind of pride. Humility and generosity. And even within this parable, if you note the sower, who is God, I love how he isn't stingy with the seeds. Right? 
he isn't carefully only sowing seeds in the good soil because he doesn't want to waste any seed on on the rocky ground or the path or whatever. There's this picture of a of a farmer who is just throwing it out there, who is just freely giving away all of the seeds and is happy to do so. Right? And and he scatters them freely. And I just think it exemplifies how God is just no respecter of man. That he just is like, I've got more than enough. Don't worry about the seeds that are falling on the path. Or judge that, wait, God, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do the seeds over there. Because it's not going to grow. It's not good soil over there. Do it over here. Only over here. Because there's a limited amount. And we have this like limitation to, to what we think the, the storehouses of heaven have. Or God has a limit. Because, because we feel limited. We feel our resources are limited, but our God is not limited. And, and I think there is a receptive grace that, that can happen in, in, in how you can have your soil be more receptive, how you can have your heart be more receptive in not judging the other soils, in not worrying about the other's environments. This has helped me so much to have, in the journey of understanding empathy and, and my heart posture. This is something I, I want to get to later, but I feel like I want to get to it now, actually. Um, there's, when we have the capacity to just worry about, not worry, sorry, that's the wrong word. We don't want to worry, right? We, we, we know that's wrong. <laughs> if we are able to just mind our own soil, mind our own garden, and not worry about your brother and sister's garden. It, in, in, in a loving way, though, because it enables you to be unoffendable. Because you aren't responsible for that person's receptivity of the seed that they're giving. All you helpers out there, you, all you helpers are wonderful and you have this amazing ability to empathize and walk through things with people. But at the end of the day, you are not responsible for that person's healing, success, health. Mm -mm. They are. God is. And this is, this is part of the wonderful sovereignty and omnipresence of our, of our God is that he is with each one of us and he knows each each, each of our stories and our heart capacity so well. But it's important for us to, to note the difference of not taking ownership of someone else's garden. And in that, not just because it will overwhelm you or be too much for you or whatever, uh, this isn't trying to say that, uh, this isn't an anti-community thing. Please hear me out. This is, I'm, I'm saying in the sense of like, it gives you grace to know you're not responsible for somebody else's response. That you can freely know, know your heart condition, your heart reception to whatever's being poured out, to whatever the seed that's getting scattered. And, and you receiving that seed is your, is your job. And it's exciting when a brother and sister receives it as well, but it's not your responsibility to make sure they do. And then it makes you not compare, compare to them. 
Am I making sense? Do you guys, do you guys sense the difference in, in the grace where it's just like, oh, God's got them. I'm here for them. I'm connected to them. Hey, we're, we're in this greenhouse. We're figuring it out. We are connected in a way. But ultimately, like, my soil is my soil. And, and um, yeah. And so just our environment kind of goes back to the, the authority. Uh, the soil is, like, our environments are huge, especially in, in, in judging receptivity for ourselves, but also in others. Um, okay. Keeping. Good soil keeps it keeps the word. It keeps the living word. It keeps on hearing. And it made me just think of faithfulness. Steadfastness. It, this confidence in what the Lord has said. That you are unmovable to it. And you can keep it. And you can wait. And it kind of goes along with persevering. One of the translations says, with patience. And how do you judge how patient you are? Where does patience come from? I think we all get, I, oh my gosh, I need patience so bad. Jesus, I need patience. Okay. Um, and patience, though, unfortunately, <laughs> comes from testing of your faith produces patience. Mm. Darn it. I don't know why he rigged it that way, but he did. Testing is what causes, if you want to grow patience, get ready to be tested. And, you know, I guess it's a very, um, it's a very effective way of teaching because it's like hands-on and it's like in the moment, you're going to learn patience because you need to, because it's required of you in this testing so, it's a very effective method. I give God props for that. But it's annoying. <laughs> no? Or are you guys like, no? No? Okay. Sorry. Am I, being, am I being too casual? Okay. Am I being too casual, too real? But let me tell you guys. Okay. So the thing about patience, when someone has it, when someone has gone through testing, and they come out on the other side with more peace, with more grace, with more love. I tell you, that moves mountains. That changes hearts. That's integrity. That is heaven on earth. When someone who has overcome obstacles is still standing and isn't hardened by the obstacle, man, that gets me. Um, I was reminded, I was in the staff meeting with Daryl and Lynn and Oh boy, this was a while ago. And, and Daryl was like, hey, you know, Serena, Bill told me years ago, attitude is everything. And I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> attitude is everything. And, and I was like, man, that's really good. And I, I, I resonate with that. It's someone's attitude, someone's posture, how they handle themselves, how they, how they face the hardest things in life. I, you guys, some of you have walked through such fire in this house. I've only had glimpses of some of your stories. But I know a lot of you, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of, of testing. There's a lot of, of suffering. But you guys have come out the other side. And you're, 
you're still so lovely. Nobody would ever guess you guys have gone through what you've gone through because you're soft. You have grace. You have love. You're patient. You're kind. You're long-suffering. You were 1 Corinthians 13 on steroids. <laughs> Isn't it funny? The first description of love is it is patient. And I think there's a lot to say about patience. And, and oftentimes the things that are hardest in life are the things that are so worthy and worth fighting for. And, and where the, the value of, of heaven just invades. I don't know what it is. It seems to be hard things and time. Patience, the other side of that. Time. We can be in such a rush. Like, talk about a microwave generation. Like, my generation, it was like, let's go right now, immediate. Oh, even more so, accelerating. Like, everything immediate. I remember in college, I was feeling the angst against that. I could feel everybody was in such a rush. And I was like, why is everybody in such a rush? And it's just like, and I, my, my senior year, like, presentation, I, it was called the principle of the farmer. So, hey, kick back to that, right? Soil, it's all circle, full circle. Thank you, Lord. Um, but it was on the principle of the farmer because I was like, certain things you can't rush. There are laws of nature that are in place because they just take time. You can't force a seed to grow faster. You can help its environment, you can nurture it, but at the end of the day, it takes as long as it takes, right? The laws of nature are, are set. And, and, it, and there's something about time and hard things that create good soil. And when we can be receptive and, and steadfast and patient in the midst of, of just life, and in the midst of the promises of God, in the midst of those seeds that are that he's putting in us, that he's spoken to us, that he's giving us, if we can remain, if we can just remain open and soft and receptive to him, man, is that a recipe for some crop, for some fruit, for abundance, for multiplication beyond what we could ever do on our own. Super cool. Super cool. Um, okay. Last, let's go. What's the next slide? I kind of lost track. Oh, sweet. Okay. Home, home run here. Okay. We're going home. I mean, we're, what does Daryl say? We're landing crash land. He uses a plane. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, how important is your heart? So I hope in this you can kind of hear, like, what I really take from these, this parable is it's about caring for the soil of our souls. It's about the receptivity of our heart to, in just life, to what God's saying, yes, but in life and how we relate to one another as well. Um, and I just want to read a few scriptures as I end here about, that talk about the heart and how important it is. And these are just a few, you guys. God, the Bible is filled with scripture about your heart, and it seems to be a very important thing to God. So from Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 14, 30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Proverbs 15, 13, a happy heart 
makes the faith the face cheerful, but heartache can crush the spirit. Proverbs twenty eight fourteen. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. John seven thirty four thirty eight. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Ephesians three sixteen to 18. This is a fun one. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how what, how long, how high, how deep is his love. Our hearts are important. The condition, the receptivity of our hearts matter to God. From it is the wellspring of life. And if all you hear from today, I mean, I hope you got some good visuals and uh, some good insights to the parable of this beautiful parable. But I just, I want you to know that your heart matters and it's beautiful and you all have good soil. You are good soil. And we get to grow our garden. What a privilege to get to grow our garden and see those promises of God flourish. Hmm. Let's, I'm just going to close in prayer. God help us to just see help us to hear help us to perceive and to understand with a posture of humility with a posture of what is good and noble and patient and kind and open and curious but also steadfast and faithful. God, let us be vessels of that bear good fruit. Let us be resources to, to our communities, to our families, to, to those we are in relationship with and beyond in our, in our, our towns, in our schools, in our works, in all the environments that we are connected and a part of God. Let our inner soul, soil, environment Echo the health and the goodness and the promises of God. May, may we bear much fruit that is multiplied so that even others will come and, and see and, and take of what the Lord is doing in our hearts. Thank you for the promises. Thank you for the seeds of heaven that you scatter so freely that you are not a God that is stingy. So God, I just pray that we would just be open to hear what fun things. What good, nourishing things are you planting in us today? And let us have patience to know, even if we do not see the, the sprig of, the, uh, of it coming from the ground yet, let us have faith and, and trust to know that the roots are going deep. And in due time, we will reap a harvest. Give us patience to persevere. <laughs> God, I just thank you for this wonderful house, these wonderful brothers and sisters, and I bless their gardens. I bless the, the soil of their hearts, the receptivity of their hearts right now, and I speak protection, and I speak goodness.
May you be fruitful and multiply. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org. Thank you.